On this episode, I quickly speak to Dave Gordon of the Oilers Rig website. They're holding a fundraiser for the MS Society this week, and he gives a quick update. I also speak to Kathleen. She's an MS warrior from Calgary, and she's got a great story to tell, so stick around. So I have to say I'm uh, pretty excited about uh, this particular episode because I don't have to do a lot of talking. I um, have two guests. Uh, one, Dave is just, it's a brief conversation. It's uh, uh, just to give an update on a, on, a, on a great event that the Oilers Rig website's having uh, on Friday night at On The Rocks. Um, it's uh, just a it's our third annual fundraiser, and the and the, uh, the the proceeds of which go directly to the MS Society. Um, so he, uh, hopefully, you know, people listening to this go out and support it. Uh, we'll make sure you have all the coordinates of how to get there. And then the second part of this podcast, and the most important part, is my conversation with Kathleen. And I was I was supposed to have this podcast up earlier this month. Um, this one's kind of late, and I apologize. It's just been a crazy month. I had to go to California. I know, poor me, right? But I had to go to California uh, for work, and then I've been really kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of the training for the really long run. So, um, yeah, it's just been a been a hectic month. So uh, it's kind of getting on a little bit later than I'd hoped. But, um, hey, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm getting it done anyway. So, um and really quickly before I uh, before I you know run the the quick little interview I did with Dave and then and then the interview with Kathleen, um, interestingly enough I got contacted about uh, two weeks ago now uh, a lady from the Edmonton Examiner uh, Edmonton Examiner uh, contacted me which is a local uh, community newspaper here in Edmonton and for an interview and I just assumed and naturally when I first started reading the email I thought. It's probably for the run, you know, just naturally because that's the only thing I've ever in my life been asked, been interviewed for has been uh, the run. And it was actually she wanted to interview me about this podcast, which just kind of uh, surprised me, uh, to put it mildly. Um, so we sat down last, uh, was I think it was last Wednesday, and... Um, yeah, and I gave her an interview and talked about the podcast and, and how it came to be. We actually, you know, fortunately enough for me, we got to I got to throw in some plugs for the run there too. Um, and that interview should be in the Edmonton Examiner this Wednesday. So if you're interested in that, uh, I'm sure you'll find you can find a copy and check it out. Or I'm sure sure I'm sure you can find it on their website. And when I have you know uh, coordinates for that, I'll I'll post them on my website and and tweet it out and that. Uh, but anyway, here's my conversation with Dave Gordon of theoilersrig.com. Uh, I just wanted to get him on here real quick to talk about the Oilers Rig Live for MS, which is taking place at On the Rocks um, this Friday night. And I will make sure that the link for tickets is in the companion notes. And um, if you want tickets and can't figure out how to find them, just get a hold of me and uh, I'll put in the right direction. direction. So anyway, here's my conversation with Dave Gordon of the Oilers Rig website, and then it will be followed by my interview with Kathleen. I wanted to talk to Dave Gordon from the Oilers Rig website 
uh, and get it on this podcast this week because he's got a really cool event coming up this Friday at On the Rocks uh, in Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, so, Dave, thanks for joining me. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be back once again on the podcast. I guess I should have mentioned that in the intro that Dave was, I think, uh, guest number three uh, on the podcast. And I think we mentioned it at the time, but, you know, Dave helps to run a uh, Oilers fan site, blog site, uh, called theoilersrig.com. And is this your, it's the third annual event for the MS, right? Yeah, it is. It's the third annual, we call it the Oilers Rig Live for MS, and uh, we've been doing it, obviously, third year now, and, and doing our best to raise some money, and, and we're hoping this year will be our best year yet. And how much money did you guys raise last year, Dave? Last year was about 3000 bucks. So, you know, we had... It, it's, it's hard to say how many people showed up, really, but there was a bunch, and we have a great silent auction, and, and through that, we raised, yeah, just around $3,000, and that went to... Uh, all of it to the MS Society. Yeah, and actually, you know, and, and, and the Oilers Rig was gracious enough to um, donate $1,000 to my run last year, and the proceeds came from this event, uh, which is why I wanted to get it on the podcast. And Well, not the only reason, obviously, you know, to support the MS Society, but um, why I really felt strongly about getting it on and, uh, and getting the word out this week. So if anybody out there is thinking about... Uh, Going out on Friday night, why don't you come down to the On the Rocks and uh, check out the event. So, Dave, just kind of give me some background on how it started and how um, it came to be. Well, we just thought, like, there's a few of us that manage the orders right again, and we thought that, you know, we had a voice to do something for the community in Edmonton, and, and MS became sort of something we all got behind because, well, I, I, I got diagnosed with MS in, in 2013 and, or sorry, 14. And it just, it was something everybody got behind. Regardless of the MS, we always, we, we just wanted to do something for charity. And that became the forefront. Just listening to the dates, when you guys did the first one, were you, like, were you diagnosed yet? Yes, I was. Okay. So and and like and not officially, but it it become yeah, and you know how the story goes, Sean. Yeah. You, you go into the hospital and and all that goes, and, and the doctors tell you, well, I think you've got MS, right? And and you and I have had multiple conversations about that, and I'm sure your listeners can feel the same. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so we just decided right away, like you know, we thought about. Uh, doing the Stollery or the Cross Cancer Institute. And, and, and everybody that works with the site said, no, Dave, we have to do it for the MS Society. So so that's just the way it's gone, and, and that's the way we'll do it every year. And and like I said, last year, $3,000. This year, we have a goal of $5,000. I think we're going to s- surpass that, and, well, and it'll just continue to go on. Well, I mean, I, I, I know all about, all about setting a goal of $5,000 and how it can uh, uh, it can balloon past that. So, um, and, and, and for those of you listening, I will have a I will have an item that needs to be bid on <laughs> that Dave was, uh, said I could, you know, slide into the silent auction. There's some time-sensitive items in it that needs to get auctioned off. So, and it was graciously do- donated by Molson of Canada, so... 
Um, well, I just want, and, and people should know too, Sean, that, that this year we've decided that we're going to donate 50% of our proceeds to your run. And the other 50% are going to go to the MS Society through my uh, my entry in, in the bike tour. That, that's awesome. But you know what, what surprises me about that, Dave, when we were talking before we started recording, is that, uh, you know, my run does ruin people's lives. So... So yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate I the like fact mine, that like, I appreciate the fact that even though I ruin your life sometimes, that you're still willing to do that. Well, I keep thinking, Sean, that maybe if I can raise enough money, I'll get out the the obligations of running. But I know <laughs> that you won't let me off the hook on that either. Well, you know what? I um I don't do it because uh, you know, I want to hurt you or something. Um. I just think it's a really great... I think the optics are great. If if the people that are running... If some of the people that are running actually have MS, I think it's... It, it's it's not even from the bike tour, right? Like, if, when... Um, you know, when you get... When we all got called up on stage last year because, you know, we're the riders with MS, right? right? It's, it's, it's empowering. And, um, I mean, if you told me one year that you can't do it, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, camp outside your house and throw eggs or something, but... <clears throat> I will I'm not sure about that. I will always pester. Uh, I'm really good at that. I mean, I work. I work in sales. Pestering is the whole job. That's what you do. So. Yeah. You know what? It's it's fantastic what you did last year, and and obviously I didn't participate last year, but I saw the pictures. I I know you, and I know the people that were involved in in holding the run last year, and and everything that went into it, and. I told you this year I'm going to run. I don't know. My goal is to run five kilometers. I'm hoping I can run more. But it, it really is. And, and you mentioned being up on stage last year at, at the bike ride. Most of us aren't like, I don't know if you follow uh, Michael Landsberg on TSN, but we're sick, not weak. Like we, there's, there's a, a large amount of us that can, they can do something to raise money to help find a cure. And, and, and there's some of us that can't, and you can't blame those people, the, the people that can't, but there are a large amount of us that can, we can do what we can. And, and while we can do what we can, we should, I think. Well, I, my, one of my big things in life is if you can do something, you probably should. And, uh, which is kind of my mantra with this run, because I can do it, I probably should do it. Um, do I want to do it? I'm not this, no. Uh, if I'm being honest, I mean, it's it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a really long day, but um, but if you can do something, you probably should. And, you know, I'm, I'm in a position where I can do something. And, you know, I think that's the great thing about the Oilers Rig website is that you guys are in a position to do something. You, you have... Um, uh, you have a podium to speak from and you, and you have, you know... a substantial following of people that read on that website so why wouldn't you you know like why wouldn't you try and do something positive because um, there's a lot of negativity and especially you know these days in Alberta you know it's not it's not the greatest and um, I think it's I think it's fantastic what you guys do and you know in, in my small way on my, my small part on the Oilers Rig website writing about the Golden Bears I'm happy to be a part of it because I think you guys are trying to do something positive is that fair? Yeah no it is and and like I said, it is. It really is about trying to do something positive. As soon as you look at 
you know, we we started what we do as a hobby, and and now I think we've got close to a dozen writers on our site, and and really all of us, none of us are doing, none of us are doing it full time as a job, and and so to have a voice out there that people read, why not try and do something good from it, and and like I said, so when we started, when we decided to do charity events, and and MS was picked, the MS Society. I almost felt guilty to a point, and I know you have you and I have talked about this, but why not? Like, you know, I, I was flattered when the people, the other people working with me at, at the rink said, Dave, it's got to be the MS Society. It has to be. And, and really, anything you can do, when you have a voice, when you have people reading and interested in what you're saying and if you can if you can make some money then why not no i mean you know the thing is about um <clears throat> if you have like season ticket holders not reading your site i mean they're obviously if you got season tickets to others you're not um uh you're doing well enough right uh, regardless of what section you're in or whatnot i mean if you can afford to spend uh three, four, five, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars or more a year on, on tickets. I mean, you can afford to donate to a good cause and if and if what you guys are doing at the other rig can uh, direct some of that money towards MS, I mean, you know, you and I are the beneficiaries in the end because we live with it, right? But I think that uh, raising awareness is the key thing. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate what you guys do and I and I hope you keep doing it and and any way I can support, even you know, putting a little blurb on my podcast, if I can, if that helps get people out to the event, that's that's fantastic. So, do you have any closing thoughts uh, about the event or or anything else? Well, uh, I sure hope pe- people come out. If they're listening to this, it's going to be a blast every year. But it's great. Um, if there's something, if you're thinking, hey, maybe I can go there, maybe I'll do something else. This year we had. Absolutely fantastic draw. So we've got a couple signed Oilers jerseys, and we're gonna we're gonna do a draw for them. And and the way the draw is gonna work is gonna be really interesting. I can't give too much away right now, or or the other people at the rig might lynch me for it. But it's really we have Connor McDavid, Jordan Everly, Leon Drysdale, and I'm just saying. Just showing up at the event and a little bit of money is going to get you a great chance to walk away with one of those jerseys. Well, that's fantastic. And, you know, Dave, I'm going to let you go. I mean, I didn't I did want to hold you too long. I know what uh, you've got kids. I've got kids. It's Sunday night. Uh, it's a big night. But uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, any final thoughts? Okay, so where do uh, people find tickets for the event at On the Rocks on Friday? Uh, they can go right to theoilersrig.com, and on the page, uh, you'll see a big advertisement for Oilers Rig Live for MS. Um, otherwise, you can check our Twitter at the Oilers Rig uh, on our Facebook, and, and there's tons of advertisements. And if somebody wants to follow you on social media, how do they find you, Dave? At theoilersrig.com on Twitter, on Facebook, at theoilersrig, or not, without the at. And... You name it, Dave Gordon on Facebook. What about your personal twenty hat Twitter handle? I've always wanted to ask you about that, so why don't you give that out? <laughs> so my personal Twitter handle is at Rusty Knuckler. 
and that just it's a uh, it's an old nickname given to me by a friend. We get into it, but I'm not sure <laughs> this is the, the kind of <laughs> audience we need to have. Fair enough. Okay, Dave, thanks again for uh, talking with me, and hopefully everyone sees you next Friday night at On the Rocks. So up next is my conversation with Kathleen, and as you'll hear in the interview, uh, Kathleen actually found me through uh, through the podcast uh, and my blog, and um, as she alludes to it when we talk, is, is, is that... Uh, uh, I kind of started this podcast right kind of when she was going through the process of getting diagnosed um, and it was really fascinating chat with Kathleen I mean uh, she's from Calgary and she was living in London when, when things happened and um, and she's got a fascinating perspective on uh, on MS and diet and how she's coping with it and uh, um I'm really, really happy that uh, she reached out, um, and, and she's actually the first person to ever appear on the podcast uh, as a guest who was who was a listener first, and I think that's it's pretty cool that uh, you know twelve episodes in that uh, you know I get that opportunity to to reach out to somebody who's listening to it, and and again she mentions it in the in the, in the talk that uh, uh, when she was living in London, um, you know she would be in her uh, in her place of where she lived and she'd have it on her roommates would hear and uh, it's kind of mind-blowing so uh, uh, Kathleen thanks very much for uh, taking the time to talk to me and and uh, uh, your story's uh, inspiring so thanks very much and here's Kathleen Okay, so I'm talking today with Kathleen, and Kathleen has been gracious enough to uh, talk to me for the podcast. And uh, Kathleen, you're in Calgary, correct? I am, yeah. Okay. Um, the way I always like to start these these talks off is, why don't you just uh, tell me about your journey with MS so far? Sure. Um, well, it's it's been a short one so far. Um, I'm, I'm sort of somewhat uniquely was diagnosed. Um, early last summer, um, at the age of, I was almost 45 mm-hmm. at the time. And, uh, so when I went through it with, you know, the neurologist to check, cause usually they'll say, you know, over the past, how many years, you know, have you had symptoms and what kind of symptoms have you had? And I had nothing mm-hmm. like literally nothing. And, um, so I think that's a little bit unusual. And, um, so I do consider myself quite new to all of this. Um, so basically, I just um, started having issues with my left eye, and I thought, because I worked all the time, I worked at a big bank, and I'm, I'm a lawyer, and so I'm always reading documents, and I just thought maybe it was eye strain or something, um, or, uh, you know, considering I'm not, you know, 20 years old, I thought maybe I needed reading glasses or something, and so I just persevered through it, and then suddenly my vision went double, like kind of overnight. And that's when you know mm-hmm. it's a good idea to go to the doctor, figure out what's going on. <laughs> so, um, so after I got tested for like literally everything, mm-hmm. including like a list of things that are like all related to vision, but a little bit embarrassing. Um, to be honest, I had a moment where I was actually like praying for syphilis because I thought that one's easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> to 
judgment about it. Yeah. Don't know what happened, but um, but that's how crazy it is, you know, when you mm. when you're you know choosing between something treatable and something chronic. So um, so yeah, so they was diagnosed with optic neuritis in the in the left eye and six neuropathy in the right eye. And um, had some scans, and they saw lesions on the brain. And about a month later, I had, well, maybe about a month and a half later, I had, I got optic neuritis in the right eye. You had it in, and, you had it in both eyes? Yeah. Oh, wow. So the left one was really starting to heal, and the right one started to go, not as bad as the left one. And, yeah, and then after that, you know the drill, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You have the two separate episodes, and they say you have MS. So mm-hmm. I kind of knew, like, the second I went to the doctor and they suggested it, I just had a feeling that I had it. So How far were the episodes apart? I was about a month and a half. Oh, so they were close? Okay. Yeah, really close. I haven't had any since. Um, I get kind of niggling things. Like I get that. I don't know if you get the uh, kind of uh, electrified feeling in your feet. Um, My feet are permanently numb. <laughs> oh, they're numb. Yeah, mm-hmm. mine are numb. They just occasionally feel, I feel like there's an electric current running through them. Mm-hmm. And it only happens at night which is irritating, like, when I'm going to bed. Oh, that thing. would be, yeah, that'd be tough. Like that. And the other thing, I wonder if you've ever had this, because, again, I'm still pretty new to this, right, and I don't know a lot of people that have MS. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have weird sensations sometimes, like, you know, when you're sitting chatting to me right now, like, are you thinking about your arms? Like, you don't really, you don't really wear of your body when you're just having a chat with somebody. But sometimes I just feel very aware of my right arm. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it has an ache and sometimes it has like kind of pins and needles. But but apart from those kind of sensory sy- symptoms and my eyes occasionally doing very crazy things, um, I haven't had um, another relapse since May. That's good. Great. Yeah. So, you, you know, you're kind of new to this, but uh, so the meds that you're on now, was that your first med or, or did they just switch you to them? Uh, so I didn't, so I was in, I was living in London, England, when mm-hmm. this all started happening, and I was in the process, um, I had just received the, or was in the process of receiving an offer for this job, which is kind of funny, it's kind of ironic that, mm-hmm. you know, it came, came together at the same time, because I uh, weirdly had this, like, inkling to come home a year before, and you do kind of wonder if there's something in your body that knows mm-hmm. something before you do. And um, so I was living in London, England, and because it takes months for them to get the, med- the meds together and put you off through the tests and everything, I couldn't go on them right away. So then I had to wait till I came here. So I started taking them in November of this year. I started taking Tefidera. And you said you're, you're tolerating it okay? No, it's been good. I was, I was absolutely petrified to go on it because I don't take Tylenol. Mm. Like, I don't take anything. And um, I've been doing a lot of, as I know you do, a lot of research around food and all mm-hmm. of that, trying to, yeah, I wanted to be one of those people that didn't go on the, mm-hmm. on the meds. But after you have six neurologists tell you, you're at the perfect stage to go on these, and this will alter the course of your, of your disease, I really felt it couldn't, you know, fight with that much experience. And it actually, in a way, the MS nurse was really the one that clinched it for me. Yeah. Well, I, no, no, I was just going to say that, um, you know, my, I'm going to be 10 years in November uh, yeah. since my big attack. 
Um, and when I initially got diagnosed for the first two years, maybe three, uh, about two and a half years, I didn't take any med. Um, I just did diet and exercise. Um, what clinched it for me was um, I got married in August 2010 and we got pregnant right away. Um, and my wife and I went to the neurologist and um, and I had actually switched neurologist and he was more patient with me for, for not being on the meds and um, which certainly helped because it really, I think when you make that decision, it helps if there's, there's uh, the people that are giving you the information are supportive and not judging. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was where, when I, I went, I started, I think as you know, I went and started on Capaxone and I was on it for a couple of years and then I had a mild, mild flare up, uh, two and a half years ago, maybe not quite. And that's when I got switched to Tecfidera. So, um, but did you find it very hard on your stomach or? No. So I, I did what they said about, um, you know, fat and protein. Mm -hmm. uh, before, like sort of 15 minutes before you take it. And I'm still doing that, even though they say you don't necessarily have to do that after you get used to it. Mm -hmm. um, I do turn beet red though, occasionally, and there's no timing to it. Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't happen every day. And it's just completely random. Same and here. It's, Same it's here. to a point where like, if somebody sees you on the street, they'd be like, are you having a heart attack? Like what is happening to you? Mm -hmm. You're that Yeah, no, I, had, I actually had one yesterday. Uh, and I hadn't had one for weeks and it, I, I, I just come and go, right? Yeah. And I was just sitting at the kitchen table. I think we were having lunch and I looked over at my wife and I said, I'm, I'm flushing pretty good. And she's, yeah, I can see it. Um, <laughs> so I just usually, I, I go and find the coldest room in the, in the house and I'll just kind of hang out there until it, uh, subsides. Cause you get really warm obviously. Cause all that, yeah. right. Um, so, uh, so how, you know, what did you know about multiple sclerosis before you got, did you have any family history? Did, were you even that aware of it or did it kind of? No, no, I don't, I don't have any family history. There's a lot of autoimmune conditions in my family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, depending on who you listen to, some people think they're all kind of interconnected. Mm -hmm. uh, but nobody, nobody with MS. And so when I, generally when I thought MS, I thought, you know, like everybody does, I thought sort of Richard Pryor, Annette Funicello, you know, mm -hmm really hard cases mm -hmm. and um but then i did know some people um who are living really really well with it and there are quite a few people that are and i just thought i'm just going to focus on those people mm -hmm. and you know figure out what they're doing and obviously only so much is, of this is in your control right mm -hmm. you can't you can't expect that you're going to control it but there are things you can control in your own life and your own lifestyle mm -hmm. that make you feel like you have more control over it i think mm -hmm. and, uh, so yeah so I mean initially you, you do go straight to I'm going to be in a wheelchair and I'm going to be blind and I'm going to not be able to speak and you really go down that road mm -hmm. and then as every day goes by and you just get used to the idea you, I just try to focus on I don't I don't think I'm going to get there like mm -hmm. I, I try to think that I'm not going to be in that position I'm going to work until I'm 65 and it's mm -hmm. not going to happen for me. And, but in the back of my mind, I'm prepared. Well, as prepared as you can be. But I, I understand that stuff can happen. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I'm in denial, but I'm focusing on, like, trying to ward it off by mm -hmm. thinking, thinking good things. 
Well, a weird thing that happened to me, and it really became clear to me, uh, it's just kind of interesting what you're talking about, because uh, uh, I don't know if you saw that BBC article last week. Uh, I, everybody has sent it to me, I'm sure. So yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, it sounds pretty promising, and it seems to be, and you're new to this, but it seems like every couple of years something comes around where you think, okay, they're just going to figure it out, and I'm going to... That's it. I'm going to be just, I'm going to, they're going to cure it and I'm just going to move on with my life. Uh, and it's hard not to get excited. But what I found really interesting when I was reading that, because it's a lot of the stuff that comes out every couple of years that claims to be a cure is that when you really scratch the surface, it doesn't look like there's much meat to it. Um, where with that one, it actually looks like there potentially could be something to it. And I, was sitting there and, and I was talking to my wife and she said, there's something bugging you today. And I said, yeah. Um, what if they cure it? Like, what the hell do I do now? And it's such a weird thing to say. It's such a big part of your life. Yeah. Like I've never, um, uh, I never wanted to be defined by it. Yeah. And I never wanted to people, people to look at me as a sick person, but I guess that, you know, over 10 years at some point it does become, part of your identity and with doing the run and doing the, the blog and the podcast and, um, and the interactions with other people with MS, it's, it's become a huge part of my life. Cause it, it you know, if I, I would suspect if you're, since you're a lawyer, you would have a passion for law. You must, I mean, to go to school and work that and, and then put that kind of effort into something, you have to have some sort of passion for it. Or you did an arts degree and you didn't know what to do next. That's a lot of us. <laughs> well, I have I have an arts degree, and I just decided to go into sales. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Um, that would be your arts degree. Yeah. So for me, the the thing that kind of outside of having a family that kind of gives me that gets me up in the morning um, is the stuff that I do to to raise money or write on my blog or uh, and that. And I honestly thought I thought, well, geez, what do I do now? And because um, I really like. I like doing this kind of stuff. I, I really, um, it's you fun. We just have to turn your energy to something else, right? So you can do all of this exact, <laughs> this is getting very ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But, but you could do all of the same stuff, but pick a new cause. And you don't have to be the person with that condition, right? You just pick a, just pick a new cause. I think you can do all the same things that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, we've, I picked it already. I mean, if, oh. if they cure MS, if this all turns out and then, because it won't be like if this all turns out in double blind studies and all, and it, it turns out that this is going to be uh, a new treatment, um, yeah. it'll be five to ten years before. Absolutely. So, right. Um, yeah. But I've already decided if they do cure it, then I'll then I'll switch my switch gears to, to breast cancer because um, I had an aunt pass away recently with that, and um, so that's where I'll go. That's where I'll put cool. my efforts. So. Um, yeah. So for you, so that you're, you know, now that you're new to it, I don't want to make you think that, oh, geez, you know, um, but I, I, I just, I have a weird perspective on it because I honestly think that it happened to me for a reason, I guess. And, um, yeah, anyway, so what's well, your, because I, because people do, do say things like that and I'm not a fatalist per se, mm -hmm. so I don't, because you know, a lot of really terrible things happen, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I don't necessarily be believe that everything happens for a reason, but I do think that when stuff happens and how you how you react to it, you can get you can get a lot out of bad things. 
there are certain things that you don't get anything out of because they're just horrible. Mm-hmm. But I do think that this is one that it really it does cause you to kind of reshift and refocus and um, appreciate appreciate the things that your body can do, mm-hmm. right? Like knowing that there might be a there might be a, a time bomb at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, it really it makes you appreciate what's around you. It makes you appreciate people more around you. Not that I didn't before, and I'm sure you're the same. But I don't know. Smaller things are more interesting to me now than they were before. And the other thing I really like about it, and I think you're the same, just listening to your podcast. I really enjoy the science of it. Mm-hmm. I find that part fascinating. I find the whole you know nutrition, behavior, exercise combination, all of that, and how that can alter the course of you know any disease to varying degrees and with varying degrees of success. Um, I just, I find that all really interesting. So in some ways I've said to my friends, I'm kind of a good person for this to happen to because at least I find it, I find it really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I find it really interesting to hear other people's stories, whether it's about MS or, or something similar. I went for lunch with a friend today who had some crazy neurological stuff happening over the course of several years and they still, they still don't know what it was. Um, and they, they don't know if it was some, he was traveling a lot through Asia, so they don't know if it's a crazy virus or, or what it was. And, but it was just really interesting to hear not just what he went through, but also how he thinks differently about, about things now. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's a little bit freeing in that way. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you mentioned the, the science of it. I am, I am actively uh, trying to get an interview um, for, with the MSSI here for the bike tour because I raised all the money. I, there was a dinner in late, late, late November. One of the doctors from the UVA spoke. And I've been bugging the guys at the MS Society to try and get me, get it so I can talk to him, so I can get him on the podcast. Because I want to ask him specifically, what about this BBC story? You know, what are some of the, the current stuff? Because I think that, uh, like you said, I'm, I'm like you. I like to know what's coming up and what's going on. and Because... Um, You've probably, it sounds like you're probably like me, you, you, you've searched around and you've probably read all kinds of stuff about, Absolutely. you know, all the different theories about things that you can do. And, um, you know, the most interesting one that I, I've read, and I don't know if you read it on the blog or not, was about the uh, uh, the solar radiation. Um, yeah. Yeah, that one. And actually, yeah. the, 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 the lead... Uh, one of the scientists on that paper actually came across my blog and emailed me. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, it was kind of neat. And I tried getting him on the podcast, but he declined. But, you know, say la vie, you do what you do, right? There's uh, lots of you to chat with. How about exercise? Are you, have you, are you able are you able to exercise, keep active? I am. So so I've been lucky, except for in the very beginning. Um, I don't have I don't have fatigue. I don't, that's not something that I have. And I don't know if that's just my disease or if it's some of the things that I'm doing. I really don't know. I don't think anybody, anybody knows. Um, I haven't been as good as I was when I was in London. I haven't got into much of a routine, but I am doing Pilates. So I go to the gym when I can. And I, I do find the more I exercise, the better I feel. Because mm-hmm. back in the day, right, they wanted you to rest. And that was the thing. It was like, don't, don't overheat yourself you know, rest, don't, don't exert yourself. And, and I think, I think for some people, they probably do have to know when to kind of time out. Mm-hmm. But I find for me, the more exercise I do, the better, the better off I am. Particularly if I do bouts of like, I occasionally go to the spin class. Mm-hmm. 
feel like a million bucks after a spin class. Well, I, it's interesting you say because I find that when I run, uh, even if I'm having a fatigue day about 10 minutes in, give or take the day, that's when I start to feel the symptoms kind of subside a bit, like my the numbness in my fingertips, numbness in my feet. Uh, and I don't feel like an M I have MS anymore. I feel kind of normal. Uh, yeah. And that's what's, that's the addicting part to me is because it's, it's a part of my day where I don't have to feel sick, I guess. Um, Absolutely. And my neurologist, the London neurologist, mm -hmm. he's huge on exercise. Like he really, and I think he's quite well known. Mm -hmm. And he basically, yeah, he said it, it just, it helps to rewire things. And so he's, he's a huge proponent of sleep and exercise. Um, as much as you can get of both. Do you find that you sleep more now? Um, I finally did in the beginning, for mm -hmm. sure. I, I also went through quite a stint when I was, where I was having a lot of trouble sleeping. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was anxiety or if it was, you know, the headaches that went with all the eye issues or I don't know what it was, but I would wake up at two in the morning and then I was awake. And I've always been one of those lucky people that puts my head on the pillow and you know, doesn't wake up until I'm up. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm certain my sleep patterns are kind of back on track, which is good. And I'm not sleeping. Yeah. I'm not sleeping more. Like I said, I don't really have the fatigue issue, which I think is a bit unusual. I think that's usually something most people have, but I did in the beginning. Definitely. I definitely had that. I couldn't sleep enough in the beginning. Now, outside of the medication and the exercise, do you have any coping strategies that you you're using or that, that help you? Um, yeah, I find one thing when I, when I get anxious, which is the last thing you want to do, um, and if I'm having really, um, bad sort of body symptoms, I do find meditation mm. makes a big difference for me. So I'll just put on, you know, on my iPad, I'll just go on YouTube and put mm. on any kind of relaxing meditation. It doesn't have to be specific. Um, although I find it, I find it very hard to find a voice that doesn't drive you crazy. You need to find, some, you need to find somebody's voice yeah, yeah. to listen to you for 30 minutes. But, um, I think, but I think that would make a difference for anybody I, because it's, it all sounds very woo woo, but you know, there is quite a bit of evidence now that meditation has a really, you know, scientifically beneficial effect on the brain. Now you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, being anxious, um, are you are you an anxious per person by nature? I just, the reason why I ask that a lot of the uh, MSers that I've talked to, they always anxiety seems to come up, and I'm just wondering if that's something that you experience. I don't think I'm super anxious. I would say, like when it comes to work, I'm probably a bit neurotic. That's for sure. Like I don't like to be in trouble, and I worry about things, and I I I, I go to a little bit of disaster thinking at work. So mm -hmm. probably in a work context, I probably do have. A bit more anxiety than some people, mm -hmm. but but personally, I don't think I do. No, I don't think in my personal life I'm not that, not that anxious. Part of that is a feature of age, right? Mm -hmm. The time you get into your forties, you really do. I was a lot more neurotic when I was twenty, for sure. Well, I turned forty in October, so if you tell me that the anxiety gets better in a couple months, then that's uh, yeah. that's that's hopefully, good. Yeah, hopefully it does. Because they they had that those a study published recently about how. Um, 40, 40 year olds, 40 something year olds are much happier than 18 year olds. So, and I, I can attest to that. So I've only got nine months to go and then everything will just I'm freaking out. And then you hit 40 and it's all steady from there. Perfect. It's uh, all failing. 
One question for you that, that uh, I like to ask is, now, once you got the diagnosis, how did your family react? Like, how did your family, close friends, how did they react? Um, so differently. So my family is fairly stoic. So it was pretty calm reaction. Mm -hmm. Pretty, um, and my mother's had everything under the sun. So, yeah, so that was pretty calm. They were very supportive and very supportive of me coming home. That was uh, an important thing. Um, I had a couple friends instantly burst into tears, which was adorable, mm -hmm. and, um, which is very sweet. But everybody, yeah, everybody's been spectacular. Like, you really do, you, I, I was going to say you really do know who your friends are, but honestly, everybody has reacted really, really well. And I always joke, especially when I have, because I'll have days where I don't really know that I have it, right, where I don't really think about it. Mm -hmm. And I, I do think sometimes that um, when I'm feeling really good, I'm like, oh, this is the best because I get the sympathy from this thing, but I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's small victories, right? Yeah. Small. But yeah, no, everybody's been really good, really, really helpful. And you know, you know what's really sweet is I find that my friends, um, my friends' husbands have been really lovely. Like they, they can get quite, they can get quite protective of you. Mm -hmm. which is nice. I want to help you. So, yeah, yeah. I, I never, I can honestly be honest with you. No one's ever been very protective of me, but I think it's cause I, <laughs> I, I look like a bouncer. So look like uh, you could take care of yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No. And I always get I, my, the common thing I get is people say, we always forget that you have it. I for, always forget that you, you have MS. And, yeah. um, and the only time I have to remind people is <clears throat> sometimes in the morning I have to tell my wife, like I, it takes me forever to wake up, like really wake up. Yeah. And when you've got two little kids like just on you, like daddy, 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 it's just like, Ugh, I can't. Um, and if I'm having a fatigue day where I just, um, you know, you're lucky you're not experiencing those right now. Um, in mine, I find, I actually find that the more I exercise, the less I get those fatigue days. Um, yeah. it, the more I just can kind of live normally and, um, and I find that the harder I push myself, it actually that part of it's easier, which doesn't really make any sense, but it okay. is. Um, and, I, and I find sometimes when you um, when you really do now, you know, keep in mind you're you're going to do this whatever eighty kilometer run, which is extraordinary. But I find when I if I have a bit of time where I, I think, oh, I'm going to travel, and then I'm going to do this, and while I'm traveling, I'm going to do this, and I make all these plans for when I'm traveling. And this particularly happened when I was living in Europe because I went away a lot. And suddenly you kind of get stopped dead in your tracks in the middle of doing this. I, I find when I travel, I definitely have worse symptoms because you're out of your routine, you don't sleep as well, and you just expect you're going to go do all of these things. Mm -hmm. And you don't do your nice, tidy relaxed well I don't, you have kids so I don't know how relaxed that is but <laughs> but you know when you get out of your routine I find I will get hit with something a sure. absolutely absolutely routine. yeah I know what happened to me is uh December was a really really busy month I um I actually manage a sales team and we've got offices in Calgary and Vancouver and I did a two-week stint where I did a week in Vancouver and then a week in Calgary uh, came home about a week goes by then we went right into Christmas time so we go to Red Deer to my in-laws and then there's time with my family and uh, I hit the wall about halfway through Christmas pretty hard where um, 
lack of whatever better way of putting it, I was ready to tell everybody that they could just go piss off um, <laughs> and leave me alone because I I'm the same as you. When I get out of my routine, it, yeah. it's really hard on me. Um, it's pretty much I, I, when I travel, it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed something's gonna happen. I went to Vegas with my family for Christmas, and by the second day of just kind of wandering around everywhere, eating not particularly good food, um, I just took the night off. I just said, you guys have to go out, and I'm just going to hang out in the hotel because I could just feel, mm-hmm. like, things kicking up again. Yeah. So I'm going back to London on uh, middle of February, and one of the worst things is that, that overnight flight. Like, I just absolutely dread sitting in an airplane seat, eating horrible food, and having to basically be up all night because I can't sleep on a plane. I can't either. Yeah. And it kind of will kick me off, and I'm going to have to just take, when I get there, I'm just going to have to take a little break, take it easy, and um, try not to derail my vacation. So do you get jet lag pretty bad? I get terrible jet lag. Like, terrible, shocking, terrible. It takes a week for me to recover from jet lag. So you go there, you have to kind of recover for a week, then you can get into your holiday and then... Yeah, I'm hoping it... So so the flight over there is much worse because you do have to do it overnight. Coming mm-hmm. here isn't too bad. So the good thing about going over there is that I don't have to work. Mm-hmm. So it was really hard when I had to go back and then go to work. That was just like torture. So just knowing that I can kind of hang out and chill out mm-hmm. will probably make it faster. Mm-hmm. And sleeping pills are your friend, for sure, for that. I just do like the over-the-counter ones, yeah. and that kind of helps to reset you a little bit, a little bit faster. How are you with heat, temperature? Um, I had a little spell where I was getting really overheated. Mm-hmm. That was when I first moved back here, and um, and it wasn't even so much the external heat; it was just I was overheating myself, which is weird since I'm the coldest person who's ever lived. Mm-hmm. And but that went away. Um, but I do, for me, it's cold. Okay. Like cold definitely will give me lots of, like I lose a lot of coordination mm-hmm. um, from the globe. And then I get that sort of really hot, kind of prickly feeling kind of all over my legs from the, from the cold. So yeah, cold definitely affects me more than the heat. Me, for me, it's uh, with temperature, it's weird. Um, I don't mind it if it's hot outside. Uh, yeah. Like when I did the run last year, uh, it was 28 degrees, and which was too hot for that run. I got to, I, I got dehydrated about 60 or 70 kilometers in, but um, but that heat outside doesn't bother me as long as there's air moving around me. I'm okay. It's if if I'm inside and it's too hot, that's when I just like my skin just starts to crawl. Yeah. Um, so that's why I ask because it seems to be the temperature is affects everyone differently, but it does seem to be a, a trigger. So yeah. Um, no. Sure. Now, yeah. you, sorry, you, you mentioned diet, and so are you following a specific diet? So I did, because um, so fortunately, even when I was when I I took I took some time off of work when this first happened, and uh, so even though I had issues in my eyes, um, the double vision was corrected by some really attractive uh, prisms put in the back of my glasses, which just made me look like a complete dork. <laughs> That, so I actually was able to still read quite a bit, mm-hmm. and so I tripped across, you know, all of the stuff, um, you know, Dr. Embry and Terry Walls and, mm-hmm. you know, all of those people, and 
I've tried to incorporate um, a good chunk of that stuff. I'm not as strict as I was. I'm sure you were the same where you go through a period where, you know, a little speck of gluten doesn't touch your lips. And, mm-hmm. um, so, but I try to incorporate that stuff. And my, my general rule is I don't eat. This is, and again, this is my day-to-day try to eat. Uh, no gluten, no dairy, no sugar. Uh, massive amounts of vegetables as much as I can consume. And um, I do think that definitely helps with energy, like just consuming a ton of nutrients. I think that has to be helpful because I've, I've been um, converting a lot of my friends and they're all finding that they don't get that afternoon crash. Yeah. If they do the massive, you know, entire bag of spinach or entire thing of kale smoothie in the morning, I really do think there's some, I think there's something to that. Uh, whether you can go so far as to say that it fixes everything, I, I think that's probably not likely for most people, but I do th- think that that makes it a massive difference. But I will eat pizza every now and then. And if, it, you know, you're at somebody's house and in the beginning, I didn't mind being catered to a little bit because I was so wanting to be strict and I didn't want to go on the drugs and mm-hmm. I was one of those people. Um, but now that I, I'm a little bit less uh, zealous about, about all of that. Yeah, I think, I, I think, you know, over time you, you realize that, because I was the same way. I mean, I remember uh, I probably was introduced to the Direct MS website in 2007, like right very early on. And I remember early on, I mean, you're right. Like I was almost afraid of bread, you know. Uh, it just looks so unappetizing. Like yeah. it just, you convince, your brain just goes, that's poison. Yeah. And then now... Um, I'm fairly good. I, I would say that in an average week, I'm probably 95, 97% pretty clean. Um, yeah. but there are times where, uh, especially when I travel for, and that's probably part of the reason why I start feeling bad when I travel is because it's so hard to try and keep up with it. Um, and I, and I, what I have come to realize, I think about, uh, all the diet stuff is that, you know, MS is all about inflammation. It's, an, it's a disease of inflammation. And, you know, when you start eating badly and you start eating poorly and, you know, a lot of processed sugar and stuff, your body just gets, you know, it gets inflamed. And, um, and I think that's, that's what those diets are trying to help with, right? So. Um, but one thing, please tell me whether I can eat beans. This is just like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> crazy. You know what? When I go to Mexico, the refried beans down there are unreal, and I eat them. Um, yeah. I think you can in moderate. I think everything in moderation would be my answer to that. Because I, um, I think the reasons why beans were put on the sort of no-fly list um, yeah. is because they're in the soy family. And right. Uh, same thing with peas. Like my kids love peas, and I and I generally won't eat them. But if they're in something, I don't pick them out because I don't mind. I don't mind them, um, but they're on the list, right? So, my my feeling is, I mean, if you you know, if you feel like beans, eat some beans. Just don't eat them every day, right? I mean, yeah, no, exactly. Because I, I was there. There's been a study recently about um, you know the cultures that live the longest around the world. Mm-hmm. Most of them are pretty bean heavy. Well, it seems like every everything you do, somebody <laughs> else tells you it's wrong. And 
I remember when I was training for the, the run last year, uh, my neuro that I'm, I use now, that I'm with now, he ran with me and he was telling me about the, the gels that you use and the electrolyte tabs and stuff. So, uh, which they which do really help. And I, and I did mention uh, to a lot of the people I knew, like if you somehow hear that this stuff is bad for me or it's going to make my eyes bleed or something, don't tell me. I don't want to know because it's helping me right now. This is just a quick edit. Uh, I had to edit the audio here. It got pretty bad, so I had to uh, cut a chunk out. <clears throat> so where we're at in the conversation, what you're about to hear, we were talking about uh, developing other conditions, and Kathleen was mentioning how she's at the age where uh, some of her friends are uh, also starting to develop other things. So just to catch you up. Probability. I now you know what I shouldn't say this because this is going to come back to bite me in the in the, in. in my, it's a, it, knock some wood. Yeah. Um, but probability wise, I mean, the chances of me getting another serious condition are uh, less because I've already got one. I mean, most people don't get multiple, right? Um, now I say that and watch, I'll get diagnosed with something else next week. But um, you know, I, I that's why, I, like I said, I don't. I don't know. It. I've. I feel like if, if I can handle this, then I, you know, life will just continue. It, 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 it just keeps going on, right? So. Yeah, and if you do get something else, you, I mean, you've already had bad news, so you do really learn how to cope really quickly. Like if I think about how I felt the three, the three, so the three weeks after, there were a couple, particularly like a couple days in a row, I was, you know, you know, crying, snot coming out of your nose in the tub, <laughs> you know, <laughs> praying that, you know, this isn't happening. Um, and then something just kicks in, right? And your brain just goes, okay, well, this is, we're going to sort this out. Uh -huh. And so, and it would be the same if something else happened. I mean, there are things that are much, first of all, there, there's, there, there are manifestations of this condition that are, that are much more serious. And there are things like ALS that are just, yeah. you know, that, but that doesn't even compare, uh -huh. you know? Like I, I think you're bang on. I mean, I, I'm still able to have a family. I'm still able to do, you know, stuff stuff like this. I'm still able to run. I, I mean, kids are healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they get vitamin D every day. Um, you know, there's, um, they're growing up in a gluten free, dairy free household. Um, but um, and it, you know, it, we could bubble wrap them all we want, but it still doesn't. I mean, it still could happen, right? So. Um, but the biggest thing is I don't want them growing up being scared. Uh, and my daughter's now, she'll be five in May. And she's now aware that dad has some of that's called MS, but she's not really sure what it is. Yeah. Um, but it'll just be normal for her. It won't be, um, I shouldn't say it won't be a big deal, but it won't be, you know, she'll, she'll just have grown up with it, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Another question for you. Mm -hmm. So where are you on, because I think this is very interesting, and I know it's been talked about a lot over the last probably two years, about, around the microbiome stuff, about that kind of philosophy around the microbiome and that it's actually everything manifests from your gut rather than from your brain. So it's all the Terry Walls stuff. Yeah, um, I... I would say that uh, I would have a lot of time for it. Um, and the reason why I have time for it is not 
necessarily the most scientific reason. I would just say that when I'm eating poorly, I feel poorly. Yeah. My outlook is poor, right? Yeah, um, and when I when I train to run, if my diet's out of sync, my training's out of sync. So just that just that mental exercise alone gives it gives it credence in my mind. It, it would it would suggest to me and you know, it's just like I've been learning when um, again when I'm training, if I'm if I get a craving for a specific meal where it's just ironclad in my head, I have to eat uh, an egg salad sandwich, just you know, as an example. I've stopped doubting my body because yeah. uh, there must be a reason why my body's craving that particular thing. There must be uh, a nutrient, a mineral, a compound, something in there that it needs to, you know, do whatever it's doing. Um, so, and I think so much uh, of the, so many of the issues that we see, um, you know, I was actually, I was having coffee with a guy today and we were talking about um, running. It was actually, it was a meeting for the run. And, uh, and we were talking about, um, He's like, what do you really enjoy most about when you're out running? And I said, well, you know, when I'm out running by myself and if, I, if I'm on the, on the pass and I see kids running, like teenagers and that, that really makes me happy because kids are, lack of a better way of putting it, kids are fatter than they were when I was a kid. And, Absolutely. And there's so many more, so much more of the, the, the prevalence of behavioral problems and, uh, hyper, you know, hyperactivity and ADD and all these other things. And going back to what you were asking me about, well, is it because of what we're putting in our mouth, right? Absolutely. Well, my mom said when I was a kid, like, not only did you have to feed me, like, regularly, but it had to be good food. Mm -hmm. Like, you'd have to feed me. And my sister, not as much, mm -hmm. but I think some people are super, super sensitive to what they, what they take in. And I think most people do better when they eat well, mm -hmm. to be fair. But, but yeah, some, some of us are just much more much more sensitive to what we what we take in well one of the things i found really really fascinating i, I um when i i read dr walls's first book and she was mentioning or was it in the ted talk it was one of the two where she had a line where she said something to the effect of you know by eating that quantity of vegetables every day and, and getting all the proper nutrients and stuff and then she was saying how there may be compounds in there that science hasn't even identified yet that your body needs. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, and I, you know, because they discover new stuff all the time, right? The fats we weren't supposed to eat, you know, a couple of years ago, now we're supposed to be eating them again, right? Yeah. It, it just changes all the time, and I think that, um, yeah, I, I have all kinds of, I mean, I just know from personal experience, if, and I think most people do, if they're really being objective about it, when they're eating better, they're probably exercising more and they're probably feeling better. Mentally, they're better. Physically, they're better, right? There's a correlation between them. Well, it makes, it makes sense that you're, you know, you're, you're made up of vitamins and minerals and water. And so it makes sense that if you're putting in higher quality food, that you're going to feel better. Like that doesn't seem like rocket science. So. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I have to say, like I said, I've got all, not all, but I've got a chunk of my friends on, you know, the morning veggie smoothie and that people have really said that that has made a significant difference to their day to do that. My, my Vitamix, I almost have like a romantic relationship with it. I love it so much. Oh, it's right. one of my favorite things on the face of the earth. 
It's my vibe, which is a bit sad, really. Well, I wouldn't call it sad, but I mean, one of my <laughs> favorite things to eat in the morning now is kale and eggs. Like, and people think, why would you eat kale in the morning? Because you get it out of the way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and when you blend it, you can take in a load of it. Mm-hmm. Absolute load of it. And um, yeah, most people, you know, my smoothies are not, you got to work up to them because they're pretty, pretty leafy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but once you get people used to them, I used to have a flatmate in London who I love him to pieces, but he uh, he didn't always have the best diet. And I would like deliver a smoothie into his bedroom every morning. You know, here you go, and it made a huge difference. So, yeah, and I don't care. I'm, I've said this to people. I don't care if all like a lot of this stuff. I don't care if it's a placebo. If it's a if the placebo effect is working on me, right? Happy right? days. Right? I don't give, I don't care if, if people think I'm full of crack. Um, if if I feel like it's working and if I feel better, then I'm gonna I'm signed up. Yeah. So what? Like, and and I and I do believe. I mean, obviously, we we know from science that the placebo effect is real. And yeah. Um, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. All the stuff that I've tried over the years, it's very possible and i can concede that it's very very likely and very possible that my ms may have run this course exactly the same anyway right yeah. Yeah. um but why not try and you and it's how you feel about it that really matters more than anything right and if you whatever you can do to feel to feel better about it knock yourself up maybe not drink your face off that might not be the strategy that you want to employ but but uh but otherwise, you know, if you're, if you're doing things that are healthy and good for you, and even if people think they're a little bit crazy when you're, you know, making your massive amounts of bone broth and sauerkraut and, you know, all the hippie things that I'm trying to do, um, it's all good for you. Yeah, no, we, we, we actually just had sauerkraut and sausage, sausages for dinner last night, and it was, uh, it's become yes. a, re- it's become a regular, and the kids love it, so they'll, I mean, if they're eating it, it's not, uh, it can't be that, it can't taste that bad if my kids are eating it. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. And it's kind of fun to like um, experiment with things. I've made some things that are pretty awful, for sure. When you're just focusing on vegetables, but actually, I'll I'll email I should um I'll email you a a, 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 the name of a cookbook that we like that was worked out really well for us. Oh, good. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Yeah. No, no, that'd be really helpful. Yeah. now, I do have to get running here in a few minutes, but I wanted to ask you before uh, we go, well, first off, thank you so much for doing this. Um, no, thank you. I've, I've really enjoyed your podcast. I found, I, so so interestingly, you start, I think you started your podcast as this was happening to me. Oh, okay. Uh, when did you start? Uh, was it the first one when it came out? I don't know, probably September, October, somewhere in there. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll look. I'll tell you. Okay. What year of this year? Uh, no, 2015. Yeah, it was of 2015. Because no, I was listening to you definitely in the summer, like quite shortly after the start happening to me. So it really corresponded. So you really have been a part of my journey, whether you like it or not. You well, that kind of, I, I, I think that's really awesome and it's kind of scary at the same time. <laughs> um, really, really helpful. No, to have, I, you know, people who, who are despite challenges are doing, are doing just fine. Okay, the very first one would have came out in July. July, there you go. Yeah, and I think I was, 
yeah, I, I think I was still, was I off work? I may have been back by then. But yeah, so in the mornings, as I was getting ready, I, you'd, you'd put a new one out and I would put it on. My little flatmate would come out and he's like, oh, she's listening to one of her gurus again. <laughs> I, I've never, I, I think that would be the first and last time anyone ever refers to me as a guru, but I'll take it. I'll take it. You're welcome. Um, no, I, you know, it's one of those things that, um, um, what really came out of the run for me last year, I, and I don't know if, I don't know if I've talked about the story or not, but honestly, that run wasn't supposed to be as big as it was. I, I honestly just wanted to raise money for my MS bike team and not, I don't, I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just being honest. It was, I was trying to raise $5,000 for my bike team and I thought it would just be my dad on his mountain bike and following me and then have my, maybe my mom running us supplies as we need it throughout the day. Uh, and it grew into this thing and I had the blog since 2013 or 2012, something like that. And, um, yeah, it just kind of all of a sudden, uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but a number of, um, a number of MSers reached out to me and similar to you were asked, would email me and ask me like, well, how, you know, how do you do this? Or where did you, how did you feel about this? And, um, and, uh, and then there was, yeah, it, it was just a really, really cool experience. And I, and you know, the coolest experience of that whole run and, and I hope she's listening. She'll listen to this one as a, um, uh, I would, con I consider her a friend now, this, uh, lady named Sandra. She, she got a hold of me and, um, she told me how the blog and everything really had an impact on her and, and what I was doing with the run had an impact on her. And, uh, it, you know, you never, I guess, well, if I, it was never, an, I never intended for that to happen, but it was the coolest thing. Like, yeah, we raised a lot of money and stuff and, um, and that was great. But the coolest thing what came out of, out of it was the, the interactions like the one we're having tonight and interactions with Sandra and that. And, um, cause I think everyone needs to feel like they're part of a, a, a bigger community, right? Absolutely. And it's the power of good intentions, right? Mm-hmm. People know that you're trying to do something good and, and, and it's nice people want to be a part of that, want to get involved with that. Speaking of which, what is the date again? May 14th. What, when is it? May 14th. May 14th. Because I may be able to convince one or two of my runner friends. My friend's husband in particular um, is always up for a challenge and always up to do it. Like he did that barefoot running thing for a while, you know, like he's always wanting mm -hmm. to push really far. So um, I keep meaning to talk to him about this and say... I have a challenge for you. Yeah, and when you talk to him, I'll let him know. I mean, last year, people ran 5, 10, 20, um, and throughout three people ran 40. That's amazing. Um, and how it worked is I started running at 5 in the morning, and as I ran, people ran for a bit, then they left, but I kept running. <laughs> and then, you know. How many kilometers is a marathon? 40. 40. 40. Is it 42? I think it's 42 or 43. Yeah. And where did you get to? You got to 70? 77. Yeah. What, what was the goal? 80? Yeah. Wow. That's spectacular. Yeah. No, I had to, I had to, um, shut her down with about 5k to go. And cause I was so badly dehydrated. So they, so it was at 70 some odd kilometers when I stopped. Um, and 
so they drove me to like with about 500 meters to go and I ran the 500 final 500 um, oh. and uh, did you feel okay about that did you feel like you achieved enough with that I mean because that's pretty most people can't do that uh, the way I look at it is I, I ran almost two marathons in the same day. Uh, I, I was short of my goal. Um, well, okay, I was short of the goal running-wise. Yeah. The run far exceeded any of my expectations as far as fundraising, uh, the impact it had, the interaction I had with... Uh, and this must, may sound strange to you, but I didn't really have a lot of interaction other than like comments and stuff on the blog with other MSers prior to the run. Um, so... It was a complete success uh, overall. It's just that next year uh, I won't be stopping. Uh, I'm making it the whole way. Um, and uh, uh, you, um, one of the podcasts, I was three or four podcasts ago, it was a guy named Chris T. He's a, he's a pretty high profile trainer here at Edmonton. He's, he volunteered to train me this time. So I meet with him every Friday morning, and he's actually going to run the full 80 with me. Oh, uh, Yeah. Uh, him and a, and a girl named Jen, they're going to run the full, and they're both, they have a higher profile around town in sort of the fitness community. And, yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it. it. I mean, it sounds weird to looking forward to running for 12 hours, but it, it was such a, like, if you have the chance to even come out just to, uh, to cheer. Yeah. Um, it's a really cool, it was a really cool day and it was really, um, like it was really amazing because all these people I'd never met before just said, Hey, can I run? Can I do this? Can I do that? And, um, you know, it was a really, really cool experience. So I'm happy to do it again. And, and as long as the body's willing, I'll keep doing it every year until I can't. So yeah. that's good. Yeah. So, um, but Kathleen, thanks so much again for doing this. Um, we'll keep in touch, obviously. Uh, very nice to meet you finally. Yeah. Oh, it's weird when you, you know, you interact with people sort of on a, on an MS level, you forget, well, actually, yeah, I've never actually met her in person before. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but no, that's great. So, uh, we'll keep in touch and, uh, uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. So there you have it. That's uh, episode number 12 of the uh, YEG MS podcast. Uh, our first ever episode with, uh, with a listener turned guest. I think it's uh, pretty cool. Kathleen, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to me. I, I really, really enjoyed our talk, and I, I know we'll be in touch in the future, and I, uh, I sincerely apologize that this is out later than I hoped, but uh, I always say better late than never. Um, and once again, Dave from the Oilers Rig and the Oilers Rig website, uh, uh, Dave, thanks for talking to me, and, and thanks for putting on the event this Friday night on the Rocks. Uh, once again, if anybody in Edmonton or in the Edmonton area or is going to be in Edmonton is interested in going, they can uh, go to the Oilers Rig website at theoilersrig.com. That's uh, theoilersrig.com. Uh, there's a banner ad there you click on. It says the uh, Oilers Rig Live for MS. Uh, it takes you to the, the ticket page. I think tickets are 12 bucks. Um they're auctioning off some pretty cool stuff. Uh, the venue is really cool. Um, so yeah, I hope to, I hope that I will be there. My wife will be there, and uh, I hope to see lots of people that listen to this out uh, too as well. So um, 
one other thing, again, uh, this Wednesday, uh, Edmonton Examiner, uh, there's supposed to be an, uh, an interview featuring me. Um, that's the last I heard. I mean, if it doesn't show up, <laughs> then there's egg on my face there. But no, I think that uh, there's supposed to be a, a, an interview featuring me in the Edmonton Examiner on Wednesday of this week. Um, and as always, if you want to be a part of the podcast, if you want to be like Kathleen and uh, be a listener turned guest, uh, just email me or tweet at me or Facebook me, however, whatever your preferred mode of communication is. Uh, you can email me at sean at ownmultiplesclerosis.com. That's S-E-A-N at ownmultiplesclerosis.com. Uh, you can tweet at me at, at ownms.com1 on Twitter. Uh, you can find ownmultiplesclerosis.com on Facebook. You can find the really long run to end MS page on Facebook. Uh, if you want to donate or be a part or join my uh, really long run team, you can go to really long run to endms.ca. Uh, you can donate there. You can join the team. Um, if you want to be part of the run, if you want to volunteer or, or run or just come out, uh, again, you can email me, sean at ownmultiplesclerosis.com. And, uh, and for my next episode, I've already actually taped the audio for that one. Um, we have Andre. Andre is the community manager for Sport Check uh, here in Edmonton. Um, but he's got a really, really cool and really inspiring story. Uh, so check that out in March. Um, I certainly hope to have the March episode uh, online earlier than I did the February episode. Once again, I apologize, but, uh, you know, life happens. So anyway, until next time, uh, we'll talk to you soon.